one. Good evening. Welcome to DFS After Dark, a premium show I do for YouTube members here. I bring people from around the industry onto the show. We talk DFS, content, life, all kinds of good stuff. And tonight, I have a very special guest, uh, someone I've been following on Twitter. I'm guessing a lot of you have been following Greg on Twitter, aka the Coach Speak Index, one of the more actionable and fun things in fantasy football to you know pop up this year. So uh, Greg, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Pete. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, you you look like you're you're very comfortable here on the couch. Where do you mind kind of a, a city docks here? What uh what's the background we got there? Yeah, I'm I'm in Vegas, beautiful Las Vegas. That's awesome. How have you been out there for a long time? I've been here since March uh, of this hmm. year. Awesome. Not sure so if I'll for stay like, here. we'll see. It where where were you before that? I was in North Carolina for a while. Before that, I was in France for like eight months during the pandemic and in L.A. for like seven and a half years before that. Crazy. So I, I feel like I have a million questions for you tonight because I don't know much about you other than kind of a few little tidbits you told me and obviously your Twitter account. So I'll try not to bounce around too much, but why don't you just let people know like how the Coach Speak Index started, when you got this idea, how you started compiling uh, all of this stuff. I'm just uh, fascinated by kind of like the process uh, behind all of it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it was one of these things, like I, I, I viewed Coach Speak as the number one problem in, in fantasy for so long. I mean, really since its inception, and um, I've been doing fantasy with a co-manager for a long time, and we were just tired of getting rug pulled. And, and I told him, I was like, man, we should, we should make a list of like coaches that we can trust and coaches that we can't trust. And, you know, the, the, the breaking point for me was, was Zach Taylor in 2020 talking about Joe Mixon, how he's day to day. And then he misses weeks. Then he's on IR out for the season after week six. And uh, that, that, that was the real like Jesse Pinkman. They can't keep getting away with this moment. And uh, I was like, all right, uh, no one has done this so far. Uh, how how do I solve this problem? And it didn't take long to realize. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. I'll just go back in time. I'll look at everything that these coaches have said. I'll put it in a database, and uh, and we'll go from there. And uh, I mean, these guys have speech patterns just like everyone else. The, these head coaches aren't poets. They have, you know, I'm 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 not saying they're dumb, but like they have a certain vocabulary set. And um, much of that is, you know, kind of subconscious. And uh, I, I thought that it would it would really lead to being able to crack coach speak. And um, man, like it 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 ended up being even better than I thought. Like I, I was kind of scared going into it because I knew it was a lot of work to, to yeah. build this database. Pete Carroll was the first guy that I started with. And I, I found his coach speak to be just like so nuanced and fascinating. And, uh, you know, as I built this, you know, you could, you could back test it as well. Yeah. And I was like, man, uh, almost immediately building this thing. I was like, this, this is, this is going to be really special. So what a like, what is the process of building the database? Obviously you're watching the press conferences and any kind of material you can get your hands on. Are you transcribing all of this stuff manually yourself? Yes. Yeah, I am. Uh, I like the, the current process right now. I, I watch all the press conferences. I have, you know, a pretty decent 
eye and ear for details. So I know, um, you know, what's going to be relevant for, for fantasy players and, and for NFL betters. Um, and yeah, just kind of pick out those, those things. And, and of course, anything that's related to injury usage and workload, uh, you know, transaction, depth chart, all that stuff goes into the database. And originally when I started this account, I was only putting, I was only tweeting out like actionable information that I would log into the yeah. database. And then pretty quickly, I was like, well, you know, there, there are, there are a lot of comments that these coaches are making that aren't necessarily actionable, but I think they add a lot of context uh, to, to situations. And so I started tweeting those out as well. I think like Dan Campbell talking about, you know, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery's workload was one yeah. of the first ones I did that wasn't like super actionable. I had already tweeted out about that and I almost didn't. Um, I was like, well, everybody already knows what the situation in the backfield <laughs> is. And I tweeted it out and like, you know, 3 million views. People were arguing in the comments and, and going crazy. And uh, I was like, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep doing this. Um, and yeah, so I, I think, I mean, obviously like the actionable database is the biggest thing, but um, yeah, just context is, is, is so important, whether it's just, you know, a 30,000 foot view of how the head coaches view the situations on their team uh, and, and the offensive coordinators as well. Um, you know, being able to look at, at all of that um, instead of just like, what's the most recent thing this coach said? Well, let's, right. let's start compiling all of it, you know, and that's, that's kind of the next move for me uh, is not just the actionable information database, but a database of literally every single thing a head coach and offensive coordinator says about any, uh, you know, offensive player on the team. So I, I, I'm curious of like the nitty gritty. Is this in an Excel? Are you tagging things? Are you making notes and reminders to go back if a, to then, you know, add the game log of the player he was referencing? Like how does all that sausage get made? Yeah, I have a, yeah, it's a, it's a spreadsheet and, you know, anything that's pending, I just kind of highlight is, is pending. And then I, I revisit it when it's resolved. I put in the results um, because I'm not going to, you know, I'll, I'll know this week, you know, what happened last week, but five years from now, uh, you know, my memory is not that good. Yeah. So it, it, it helps to just, I try to paint as full a picture as I can, you know, whether it's tweeting something out, I like to, to, to give full context. I think that's very important. Uh, and just for myself having, um, really in-depth comprehensive notes of like, yeah, okay. This player did play in week eight. They, they did get, you know, 60% of snaps. This is, this is what they did with it. Uh, it just makes it so much easier for myself down the road when I, when I go back and reference that. So how much, uh, I assume like when you initially got the database going, there was a ton of like initial legwork and now you're just taking in and ingesting the new information, but like how many hours a week are you spending just total, like consuming, working on the coach speak index? Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's so much. I, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, nearly every, uh, waking moment. Um, Goodness. yeah, pe people are asking me about doing like an NBA coach speak and college football <laughs> coach speak. I'm like, dude, NFL has like the fewest games of, of any sport. And this is killing me <laughs> to, 
to keep up with this. Um, yeah, I, like if if this gets bigger, uh, which is the hope, and and we do expand to, to other sports, I'll definitely need some sort of a of a team uh, in place. You do you do say we? Do you have someone else helping you on that, or is that the royal we? That's the royal we. I, okay. I, I, that was one of the things of like when I started this, I was like, all right, do. I just thought it made sense to for it to be like. All right, if it's if it's official, if it's like we, if it's the coach speak index instead of just like this random guy, Greg Brainos, you know, that 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 lends it like perceptive credibility, I thought. Um Yeah. Yeah. But like people are telling me I, I need to put my name on it more. Yeah. So you you mentioned like the impetus being you getting fed up with Zach Taylor and kind of wanting to get into the bottom of this, who you could trust. What kind of fantasy have you played i i assume that was a pretty serious league if you got this fed up with it and you're like i'm willing to do the the legwork to try to avoid these situations yeah i was playing so that was 2020 uh i was playing in i had like a thousand dollar home league that i'd been in for for a long time uh and also had like weekly side bets of around like usually around eight eight hundred to a thousand each week every year um so yeah it was it was a big deal also like i i just don't like being lied to i don't like knowing <laughs> what the situation is you know like i don't like ambiguity i like things to be clear um and if if i can make something ambiguous clear um man that's just like that's huge for sure. Yeah. And I know lots of people in the chat tonight uh, love your account. And I know you've been getting lots of love from fantasy Twitter. Definitely uh, much deserved. It has been a, a, a critical account, I think, for anyone who's playing fantasy seriously to check out. Uh, you mentioned uh, spending so much time on this. Do you do you have a, a day job? Is this your full time thing? What were you doing before you dedicated all this time? I'm, I'm curious what you've been up to. Yeah. Uh, so right, right now I'm, I'm, I'm working for a, um, a card breaking company. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with like sports card breaks, yeah. uh, but a friend of mine owns a sports card break company in Vegas, KO's card breaks, uh, check it out. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I've been working with him, uh, after my, uh, contract at Yahoo ended, came out here and I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be doing coach speak. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to see where it goes and, you know, need something to, to kind of pay the bills in the meantime. Um, so yeah, so when, when I'm not like there and, and he's been like super generous about allowing me to listen to all the press conferences and watch the press conferences while, while I'm working there, just like sorting cards or whatever, which is cool. Um, but, uh, and yeah, and, uh, the rest of the time is just all coach speak. Um, and I've also been consulting on a game show that's going to be premiering in either January or February. Uh, I can't. I can't talk about it right now, but uh, I, I think all the betters are are, are going to like the show, and I think it's going to get a lot of engagement online. Uh, I think people will be talking a lot about this show that's coming out. Sounds like you have a lot of varied interests, skill sets. Did I see too that you uh, was it in your Twitter bio that you've done stand up comedy before too? Yeah, I started doing stand up in uh, two thousand six. And uh, did that for a long time, and um, I moved to LA in 2013. This was a year. Oh, maybe we can get into that if we talk about the poker stuff. But 
I got yeah. robbed at gunpoint in 2012 when I was running a poker game in North Carolina. I was like, I need to, I need to stop doing this. I need to, you know, make a little safer choice in my life. <laughs> um, and uh, I'd written a new girl spec script that uh, a friend of a friend was a writer on new girl. And he's like, I'm going to pass this along to her. She read it. She's like, Oh, you need to be pursuing like comedy writing full time. And I heard uh, you so mean like, Zoe Deschanel. No, no, no. It was a, oh, it was a writer. Rachel Axler. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I moved to, to LA. I wrote a, uh, I wrote a dark comedy or co-wrote a, a dark comedy screenplay about a mismanaged uh, suicide hotline and uh, got some, some heat off that. Uh, got a producer attached to that and spent like, yeah, seven and a half years in, in LA just, uh, yeah, just like pursuing screenwriting, uh, didn't do as much stand up for me. Like I need to dedicate my time to, to like one thing. I, I have a problem with like trying to, you know, just like spreading myself too yeah. thin. Uh, I was like, I, I, I definitely can't do both of these. Also, I, I've been friends with so many stand ups who were like road comics and that life just seems awful to me. And, 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 and I've done some of those like, road shows that are a two hour drive and then you drive two hours back for like 150 bucks. It was like, no, I, I, I like being comfortable, you know, uh, obviously. Yeah. Well, even the, even like when you're cutting your teeth and doing, you know, open mics and stuff, it's such a solitary endeavor. I, I did stand up for like six months and then I pivoted to improv because I was like, this is too lonely. Like I didn't like it. Everyone just in the back with their notebooks, not laughing at each other's jokes. I was like, I think I want to do something communal because that, that stand up life is a grind. That's tough. I actually started in improv and then did stand up. Oh, nice. Transition to stand up. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I, I'm guessing like your background with writing and working on screenplays, stuff that comes with tons of revisions and rigor. I'm, I'm guessing that served you well with the coach speak, which requires uh, a ton of writing, I'm guessing. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just like having, <clears throat> having like an, an, an eye for detail, like having a certain sense of like what people want, because that's what stand up is, you know, like yeah. you, you're, yeah, you're, it's just like these, you're talking about communal universal truths, or e even if, if it's kind of like abstract, stand up it's like i i know where like i know where this funny target is for like these people in the audience and of course you'll have like yeah. different audiences like depending on what what venue you're at but you kind of learn of like okay you know one joke in i knew like boom this is exactly what kind of audience i have like these are the kinds of jokes that i'm going to be doing and i, I yeah i think that kind of like serves me well in in, in coach speak is uh, also and just like just adding a little tinge of humor uh here and there i i try not to go like too overboard because it's it's twitter and like pe like people now have just such severe add that they don't want to be reading this yeah you know whole long thing so it's like all right here's the pertinent information here's how i think it translates and like here here's a little like something thrown in that maybe it'll it'll make you laugh that is that is a tough thing, right? When you 
because you're, what you're doing is is very actionable. It's very information based. There comes, you know, a lot of times you'll see the fantasy consumer be very entitled. I don't want any fluff. I don't want any of this. I don't want any editorializing. Just give me the info. Like, what has been the overall reaction? I'm sure it's been like polarized. A lot of people who love it are the people who like, you know, are fans of teams that take umbrage with the way you spin something, stuff like that. I, I've been extremely surprised that. I'd say like 98% of the feedback I've gotten has been just so positive. Um, mm. Usually if, if someone will chime in with something like, oh, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or whatever. It's like someone that doesn't follow the account. It's, it's someone who, who like believes this myth that like Pete Carroll <laughs> can never be trusted, whatever he says. Yeah. And then you have like the receipts and you're like, well, actually I've graded every single thing he said. And he has a X percent, uh, you know, accountability rating. Yeah. I, I actually almost tweeted back at, at someone the other night. Uh, and and I, I think I still have the tweet in my drafts. I'm like, you know what? It's not, not worth it. This guy doesn't even, even follow me, like whatever, let him, let him believe whatever he wants to believe. So who is the, who is the most reliable coach when it comes to coach speak? Who can we trust the most? There, there are a few like super reliable ones. Um, Kyle Shanahan is extremely reliable. He's just like so brutally honest. Um, Dan, Dan Campbell is 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 close. Um, you know, Frank Reich is is kind of up there. Uh, and I think, man, this this like really shocked me when when I created the database and and I finished on this coach. But like Mike McCarthy is like maybe the most reliable honest guy really? like, just an open book dude it's incredible i couldn't believe it i could i had to like go back and, and look through again i was like oh my god this is this is insane how how like and and, and it's not necessarily like when he's talking about player usage and, and workload uh you know when he says a guy's gonna have a big year or whatever or he's gonna he's gonna make a leap it's usually just like a small kind of when it's like all right this is this has to be graded as true but it's not like oh this guy went went crazy or or whatever um but yeah very very reliable guy and i think what's so cool about the database right and you mentioned the kind of people who say like oh no i i don't trust a word pete carroll says or everyone has like a specific one-off example where they thought they were yeah. burned but you have the entire body of work right where you could see the whole thing and there's i'm sure for people a primacy bias of i remember this one thing therefore they're not reliable and it's like well if they said a hundred things and one thing wasn't reliable it still means they're a pretty reliable person yeah not 90 percent doesn't equal a hundred percent uh yeah I, again like the people that tweet at me about pete carroll they're they're always saying like well what about chris carson i'm like okay <laughs> like what what example are you citing because i have an entire database of it like go ahead and cite your example and i'll i'll hit you back with with some more and they'll be about chris carson you know like not just any random player well, that's a, like, you know, there's a lot like the fantasy industry from a content perspective and even a tools perspective is very saturated. It's really hard to come up with unique stuff. And then even if you do, sometimes it's like, oh, well, what if someone scales it better or whatever? But like your operation, I feel like it'd be so hard to outwork you or even catch up on what you've already done, because what it sounds like you're doing is so highly 
time sensitive. I, I assume you don't feel like even too competitive with what you're doing. I don't even know anyone else even coming close to doing what you're doing. Yeah. When, I mean, when I had the idea, I was like, this, this, I mean, it's a good idea, but it's not like, I have some ideas, uh, that are like, no one is ever going to think about this. Like, it's not a problem if I hold on to it for a while and, and do it eventually. Like no one's going to come up with this with the coach speak index. I was like, man, I can't believe no one has done this by now. Like, it seems so simple. Yeah. It's like, all right, like we just go back in time and we, and we look at everything that these guys have said. Uh, but then once I started working on the database, I was like, okay, like I could see maybe someone before had this idea and, and, and like got into it or like, no, this, this is going to take way too long. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if someone wants to, wants to, wants to replicate it, like they got to put in a, a couple years of work and, <laughs> and again, like they're, they're, they're not going to have the, the humor that I bring to it. And they're probably not going to have like the, the, the eye and ear for detail that I have. And, um, yeah, so I'm not I'm not like super worried, but like I'm also not resting on my laurels. Like I'm I'm trying to make this thing better every day and and already have like a blueprint on on like people think this thing is good now. I swear to you, like in a year from now, if if things end up working out like I think they're going to work out, this thing is going to it's going to be unfair. It's going to blow people's minds. Dude, like I, I think I have a that. 25 to 30% chance to crack NFL, uh, NFL draft props is coming up here. We'll see. Ooh. I don't know if it's going to happen, but like, that's a fun tease. I think it's possible. Have you, um, cause you, you obviously have the Twitter account, very popular. You have the website, the coach Have you considered a, a YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, I've, I've thought about it. Um, I, I have a TikTok as well and I haven't made, I haven't like had time to maintain the the website or TikTok. The website, I was just like, I'm gonna go ahead and put this up, mainly just for the bios. But it was training camp, and may as well like write up all these different like pending coach speak things. Um, but it just like, I mean, there's every day it's like eight hours of press conferences to watch, and then. You know, then then I have to clip the videos and I have to go in the database and 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 look, um, you know, for cross referencing, and then then I have to tweet it out. Like, there's there's just not a lot of time. So I I, I would like to, yeah, you know, like engage with people or, or whatever, whether it's like a Spaces or or YouTube thing. But man, like, I just launched it three and a half months ago. I'm I'm still trying to kind of like find my footing business wise. Uh, I've got a few companies, you know, who are pretty interested in this and just like kind of trying to navigate all that all at once. Yeah. The, the reason I asked about the YouTube channel is because I, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of this too. Like there's that whole genre of like body language experts and that, you know, they'll like, you know, look at, uh, you know, a serial killer in his post interview or whatever, and they pick up on it and they narrate it and people eat that stuff up. And I was just thinking like a video version too of what you do, where you're kind of like pausing and being like, okay, he said this here, but 
back on this date, he said this, and like you're stitching together kind of the narrative and stopping and starting and doing essentially like a director's commentary on a press conference. I think that would be wildly successful. That's, that's, that's a great idea. Um, I, I did it to some extent with like the Jonathan Gannon uh, stuff on, on Kyler Murray, um, just kind of like spliced a, a video together on, on Twitter of, um, you know, his comments during a press conference. And again, it, it, it wasn't anything that was actionable because Jonathan Gannon doesn't really give us actionable information, hmm. but you know, that like subconscious, you know, slip of the tongue stuff where he said, you know, Clayton Toon is, is going to go out there and sling it if he, if he's out there, you know? Um, yeah. but yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great idea. I love it. So uh, as someone who is watching, you know, eight hours, 40 hours plus a, a week of press conferences, who are the coaches that you get excited to listen to? Like, this will be entertaining. This will be fun. And who are the ones where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to go and listen to this guy again. Uh, Mike McDaniel for me jumps between really fun and really annoying. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't mind saying that, um, but mostly fun, but like when, when you're watching every single one of his press conferences, like they can, it can wear on you a little bit. Um, yeah, Dan Campbell again, and like Kyle Shanahan are, are, are fun. And, and, and Pete Carroll, like those, those are, those are like three pretty funny guys. Uh, Pete Carroll's like super funny in, in his press conferences, uh, very quick witted. Uh, Mike Tomlin is, man, he's like so verbose without really saying anything. And I mean, sometimes the, these things last for like 30 minutes with him. Like, come on, man. Like, give us the cliffs notes. All right. <laughs> I got I gotta, I gotta put about like two X speed. Has he always been like, cause this year. I've noticed he's, he like speaks in these riddles, you know, he had the one about like, you know, we're not urinating on, on the fire. And then he had the one like, Oh, George Pickens complaints was like a pebble in my shoe. Does he mm -hmm. always speak in like that weird type of language? Yeah. Yeah, he does. It's, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's like, it could be a, a nice break from some of the monotony of, of some of the coaches. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm I'm just looking for actionable information, man. Like, yeah, come on, give me something. No, I I believe that the the chat wants to know about Arthur Smith. Uh, obviously, he has been probably the biggest thorn in fantasy players' side. Uh, I, it has he been like the most engagement you've gotten from from posts so far this year? Uh, overall, um, yeah, it's it, it's tied probably between him and and, and Dan Campbell. But yeah, the, I mean, obviously like the Bijan stuff just plays really well. Uh, and I try not to, like, I, I, I hate engagement farming. Like I try not to put out any like clip just for engagement farming, but if it's, if it's a relevant clip that I think is going to do well, then like, yeah, I'm putting that baby out. Um, so yeah, we've gotten we've gotten a lot of a lot of that from from Arthur Smith this year. Completely unreliable guy when it comes to his coach speak, and and those are the really annoying ones. The guys that are like fifty percent reliable because like you don't 
really know which way. The, the only thing that I have to go on in those circumstances is sometimes it'll be, yeah, a guy that's like 50% reliable, but when they use like certain phrasing, it's like, okay, you can, you can count on it in, in this situation. Is there any, like, obviously the, what I've consumed of Arthur Smith is literally just the snippets. It's just the poll quotes. It's all of that. Is there anything, is there a charitable reading of Arthur Smith or is he the narcissistic asshat that as a Stephanie is calling him <laughs> in the chat here? Is there anything redeeming about Arthur Smith? I'm trying to give him a fair shake as someone who's watched every second of him talk. I mean, he, he is a pretty, I mean, yeah, he's another guy that like can be pretty funny and, and he has, you know, a dry sense of humor um and it plays well like sometimes but most of the time it it doesn't um he's just like so antagonistic towards the media um kind of in the same way that like mike rabel is which like you know makes makes sense like they're cut from a similar cloth and they spend a lot of time together um so like yeah i, I mean his his whole thing of uh, maybe I'll do a vest switch with with Vrabel, you know, when they when they played each other, when their teams played each other a few weeks ago. Like that was that was a funny little thing. Um, so some redeeming qualities, but as as fantasy players, like that's not that's not what we're looking for. Like we're just we just want you to be honest with us. I know, yeah. That and that's what I was trying to suss out too, because there is you know, the element of, you know, he's very frustrating for fantasy, but it'd be one thing if he was just like honest. And then it was like, Hey, I want you, you know, we all want him to do something else. And at least he's like honest about it. Like, Hey, I want to use Tyler Algier or whatever, but it sounds like he's both a pain in the ass for fantasy players and unreliable as a narrator, which is the worst possible combination. Yeah. It's, it's not a good look. Uh, he, yeah. So he's overall, he's pretty annoying. I, I think right now, like, Maybe my least favorite is is Brandon Staley. Like, okay, get, get I saw his meltdown out, presser. Get this guy yeah, out of here! Oh yeah. my god, yeah. What? He no, go ahead. Uh, he in in his so in his first year of coaching, very reliable. In his second year of coaching, completely unreliable. Uh, which which is like a really fascinating turn. And I, you know, I'm. I'm kind of obsessed with the psychology of all these guys. And I think that, yeah. you know, pl plays into, into coach speak. And I think he, and, you know, maybe Brian Dable uh, are just like a certain type of person that when things are going well, it's, you know, it's easy to be kind of open and, and honest and talk about, you know, the team and, how great they're doing and you know we're going to give this guy the ball and this guy's going to be fine and then when things you know aren't going well then it's all right time to break out the gamesmanship and and, and try to gain an edge in this game where we're a 13 point dog I got uh, lots of more questions for Greg, but I do want to mention if you are listening to this, this is normally a uh, premium show. We are streaming it live right now for YouTube members on my channel, but I'm going to make this one publicly available if you're listening to this in audio form or on my YouTube channel. If you become a member, we do these interview shows every Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, DFS After Dark. I bring people from around the industry. We uh, I get to know them, catch up with old friends, generally build a DFS lineup at the end. So if you want to get access to the rest of these premium ones, 
ones, become a YouTube member. Uh, but Greg, one thing I wanted to ask you about it, I even just from afar, I seem to notice like an undercurrent of fantasy football infecting these press conferences. Obviously, the Arthur Smith is a big one. Even listening to Kevin O'Connell talk about all the Jeff Justin Jefferson questions, the organization's like, we're not going to rush him back for other reasons. It feels like he's subtweeting fantasy. Have you noticed that element of like fantasy supercharging all of these conversations? Another one being like the Colts when they were asking him about Jonathan Taylor. Why didn't why wasn't he getting touches? Why is he not getting more touches? It seems like fantasy is driving a lot of this. Yeah, it, it it is, but it's also just like, I mean, fantasy goes hand in hand with actual, you know, real NFL football. Like, e even if fantasy wasn't a thing, I think that would still be a question of like, why, like you just signed him to this big contract. Like, why aren't you giving him the ball? Um, but, you know, the, the, the fantasy questions, like they play well. Um, and I think reporters are recognizing that. So it's, you know, and any question of like, why aren't you giving this guy the ball that everyone that, you know, the general public thinks you should be giving the ball, uh, are, uh, you know, are you afraid of that? You're about to get fired is, it, is another one of like, what, what changes are you going to make? Um, yeah, that, that stuff. Yeah, because it does seem, you know, for a while, you know, when fantasy was more kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the NFL universe, it was like, oh, what you guys want and what we're trying to do and win football games is this entirely different thing. But I feel like as we move closer and with how interested the fantasy community is in, you know, uncovering talent and finding upside and explosive plays and all of these things, it's like our interests are actually relatively aligned with the goals of an offense, right? To get the ball to the best players, score the most points possible. It's like we should be on the same team with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, what a... You know, you mentioned uh, a couple sites talking to you. I am curious, just kind of behind the scenes, you know, the different angles you could take it from like a monetization thing, whether that would be, you know, paywalled or some premium content. It sounds like you're maybe talking to some people about like a site sponsorship. So like, what are the things you're tossing around? Because as I know, when you do this stuff as a labor of love, and it sounds like you're doing a lot of labor, eventually you got to get compensated for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the end goal. I just want to make sure that it's a really good fit. I, I don't want coach. I mean, I hope this like doesn't cost me opportunities, but like, I don't want coach speak to, to be behind a paywall. I understand that, yeah. you know, companies and people have to do, uh, you know, what they have to do to, to pay the bills. But, um, I mean, this is just like something that's, that's necessary for, for fantasy. And, um, you know, I've, I've been a fantasy player for like, two decades uh and and i'm just trying to approach it from from that mindset like if i don't if there is no good fit if i don't join a company like maybe eventually i'll do a patreon it's like hey like i'd love to put 80 hours a week into this instead of like my free 35 or 40 hours a week um you know if people want to want to throw a couple bucks a month or, or whatever and uh you know just figure out like yeah maybe there's like some exclusive content or like i don't know a, a discord or or something honestly like i just don't have a lot of time for for a discord yeah. i don't mind like people messaging me on, on 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 twitter um for stuff but uh 
yeah, I just, I just want to make sure it's, it's a good fit. And like the coach speak index is, it's a great idea, but it's just like one idea. I don't think it's like even my best idea. Like I have a lot of other great things that I can bring a company. So like, if you're a CEO listening, like <laughs> you'd be pretty lucky. <laughs> there you go. You got it. No, I, I think, I do think there's a way where you could kind of have your cake and eat it too, where like the SETI stream of new information is publicly available, but then for like the sickos who want to be able to go through every single old archive, or say you did have just like a power rank where you showed your percentages and people could sort by that, or you had the database that people could kind of search themselves, you know, like, I think there's some ways where you can give kind of the people who just want the most recent stuff and keep that public, but then provide even more for the people who really want to dive in and support you. That makes sense. You got a good business um, line, Pete. <laughs> well, you know, it, it well, it's it's a tough thing to crack, especially like you know these days with how much you know tomfoolery there is with the the X algorithm and like the monetization stuff, and it's hard to drive traffic out from X. So when X is your primary you know source of engagement and community and all of that, it does I think make it hard to be like, okay, where can I take this? eventually to have my own thing to own it and to actually be able to monetize it in a real way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my nightmare is that just like X goes down and like, <laughs> what, what now? Like, I don't want to go with threads. No. Well, it honestly though, like my advice to you as well would, I mean, I would start a newsletter. Um, and just do like a weekly thing. So you own your email list. And then if something like that happens and I guarantee, you know, you could start pushing it. And like, even I, like I, I've, I've read all of your tweets cause uh, you know, I'm a sicko and I, I write a newsletter myself. And so I like to keep up to date on it, but like for the average person who maybe isn't on Twitter all day too, like even a roundup at the end of the week, like a once a week thing being like, Hey, these were the five most interesting quotes from the coach speak, start building up your own email list and providing value to a lot of people. I think that would, uh, would be valuable as well. I like it. All right, Greg, we're, we're getting you, we're getting you up and running here. Uh, you got, <laughs> you got all the ideas. I got, I got some of the business ideas for you and, uh, and then you can take over the world by next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, has it like, do you find, you know, cause it does sound like what you're doing is such a grind. Has it, has it, you know, enhanced your enjoyment of the NFL itself, like the product, like when you see these subplots with fantasy versus a coach or, you know, a coach with the media, do you like get your popcorn out or does it feel like a job at this point? Uh, I mean, it, it does feel a little bit like a job, um, but it's never like, Oh man, like God, another, another clip that I have to, to put out. Like I'm, I'm excited whenever these guys give us, clips um that i can yeah. post or you know actionable information and 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 it is exciting to kind of see how things play out like it's it's like a sweat you know of of all right let's see how kyron williams does this week like is he going to get this normal workload that that sean mcveigh promised so uh, you know you get the the sweat of uh you know without even like having a place to bet that is such a fun, you know, because I noticed that once I started doing, you know, you know, more touting or, you know, what saying plays that you like is like that sweat becomes as big as your own action. Like you want oh, the yeah. things that you put out there. So I guess for you, though, like I think of you like I do enjoy your commentary and especially kind of when you're gently nudging us to like this is going to happen. But also one of the things that's so awesome about that is like you're just presenting the information and you are cataloging 
what did or didn't happen. Like at that, like in that way, it's very unbiased, but because we are in a forecasting sport and everything is predictive by nature, like you do want to know how can I apply this to the future? So we are making educated guesses. I think it just puts you like in that interesting territory between providing information, but also forecasting. Yeah. I try, I try to balance that out, like find that balance of, um, all right, like how much should I interject my own like views on this situation? Or like, do I just put out exactly like, here's what the coach said. Here's the video clip of it. Here's his reliability and just allow, you know, the people who are better at fantasy than I am to kind of like take it and run, you know, and, and Adam Levitan or, uh, yeah. or, or, you know, um, and any of these guys just like quote tweeting and like, boom, because I, I spent all my time on the coach speak stuff. I don't have time to like go through the utilization trackers yeah. and like all, all the really deep dive stuff that I think is, is necessary for, you know, especially DFS. For sure. And that is the, that is really the kind of the, the rub with all of this stuff. I, I see Raymond in the chat talking about, uh, Kyron, I was just writing up the newsletter for fantasy life tomorrow. And I was looking at that McVeigh quote where he was, I think asked about, Hey, will Kyron approach his 90% snap share that he did before. And he was kind of like 95%'s a lot might be a little bit more hot hand or whatever. Did you, did you have any read on Sean McVeigh as it pertains to Kyron's workload coming back? Yeah. Well, so the, the reporter asked that question about like, is he going to be going back to, to his 95% snap share? But that 95% snap share was in week two and he got a hundred percent in week three, but then week four, it, it went down, I think to like the high seventies. And that's also when he, when he stopped playing special teams. Mm. Uh, so, so you can already see that McVay and his staff kind of started managing him in, in week four. Uh, I think that's when they like kind of realized like, okay, this is, like this is our dude, obviously, because like they played him like crazy the the past couple of weeks. But you know we might need to take care of him a, a little bit more because he he is a little bit smaller in stature, uh, and they're they're asking him to 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 do a lot. McVeigh hasn't been great about you know load management uh, in the past. Like you know yeah. Cooper Cup got injured last year when when that game was like so well out of hand. Um, so I I think he realized that like. In, in week four. So that's why I added so much context to that tweet of like, okay, actually, you know, this is what McVeigh is saying about the 95% and take some snaps off, but they, they were already taking some snaps off. When you, uh, I, I like, what is your process for making sure you don't miss any press conference? You just have insane bookmarks. Do you know that they're all going to be up on a YouTube channel? Like, how do you even go about curating all the things you need to watch and being even notified when something new pops up? Do you know the exact schedule when each coach is giving their press conference? Do you watch them live? I'm, I'm fascinated by all of this. Uh, so I'm subscribed to all the team's YouTube channels and they, you know, I'll, I'll get notifications of, um, you know, sometimes it'll be live, like some of the teams do you know, a live press conference. Uh, some of them don't post it until like an hour or so after the press conference. Um, I, I like to watch live when I can, but, you know, starting at around 
10.30 a.m. Pacific time, um, a lot of these press conferences start happening at the same time, uh, a lot of overlap. So in that situation, I just keep in mind like, okay, what, what are kind of the hot button fantasy issues this week? Like what are the situations that I really need to keep a, a, an eye out for? And I'll, I'll go to that. So like if it's an Arthur Smith presser, like I'm watching that one first. Yeah. Um, if it's Mike McDaniel and somebody else, I'll usually watch Mike McDaniels first um, because there's actionable information to be gleaned from him. And there's also just like funny clips of his, you know, to put yeah. out there. Yeah. Mike McDaniels, definitely the, uh, the media darling. Although I can totally see what you mean when you said earlier, how watching every single second, like, again, we see the highly manicured thing, like here, his opening remarks at the press conference in Germany and he makes the joke and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but if he's getting all of these joke shots on goal and he's missing and he's forcing it a little too much, I could see how that yeah. would be annoying at times. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's just as, you know, viewing it through through the eyes of a stand-up is like, all right, come on, man. Like, it's, it's not that funny. Like, <laughs> that's a little hack. <laughs> um, but, hey, man, like, he's he's just being himself. And uh, you got to respect that. Yeah, and you, you get to grade coaches on a curve, right? Like, he's very funny for a coach. Is he funny for a stand-up? Yeah. No. But uh, on, on the coach curve, uh, he's pretty funny. <laughs> um, what, um... Uh, what kind of, what's your um, viewing habits on, on a Sunday? Are you just sitting back and watching red zone or do you find yourself in kind of like work mode? Are you like interesting on what the coaches say to the sideline reporters during the game? Like how deep uh, are you getting into it on an actual Sunday? Great question. Uh, I go down the street here to the Orleans casino nice. uh, to the sports book and I'll settle in and I'll watch. I usually concentrate on, like three games, may, maybe four games. Um, and, you know, obviously, obviously all the games are on, so I can sneak peeks here and there. But I, I like to watch just like every single game. So I'll concentrate on three, and then I'll watch the afternoon slate, you know, th three or four games. And then throughout the week, I'll go back on um, on uh, the NFL app and uh, and watch the condensed um copy of the games but after the early slate ends i just put in my my ear um my AirPods, and just start pulling up the uh the live you know post game press conferences and i'll just have those on uh listening to them while, while i watch the games yeah did you have any thoughts on what was it the carissa thompson controversy from from last week saying sometimes she just makes up a, a coach uh interview if there was nothing good there yeah um seems a little unprofessional um <laughs> you literally have one job and, and you're not doing it um I, I, it's not like i don't know i guess it's not the worst yeah it's not the worst thing in the world maybe not even in in the world of of journalism, but man, it, it just makes every journalist and reporter look bad. Like it's, it's, it's a blight on, on, on all of them. And you just got to realize that. And, um, just like the, that, I don't know what this human desire is for people once they go on like a barstool podcast or, or whatever to be like, I'm, I'm going to show them that, that I'm cool too, you know? And, 
and yeah. I'm gonna give them a piece of information uh, that I shouldn't. And, well, uh, the reason I asked you about that is because I feel like the work you do like shows the path of how context uh, can make even really bland press conferences or coach speak interesting or relevant to the audience. You know, and if you had done your research on, okay, this coach has been saying this, and even if he doesn't give you anything, you could then give the context of, well, earlier at his press conference this week, he said he was going to give Travis Etienne more touches, but we're sure seeing a lot of Tank Bigsby and uh, Dearness Johnson today. Like, I think you could use that context of what the coach has done to actually deliver really interesting sideline reports. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's a great point. And and let's let's talk about context for a second. Yeah. Um, and th this is why I believe the the Coach Speak Index is just like so important for, for fantasy because, you know, if I don't know if it's a result of like media companies downsizing and like, there just aren't enough people in, in, in the, uh, in the newsroom or just like the aggregation age now, but such a disservice is being done to, to fantasy players on, uh, on many of these like headlines that are being, tweeted out on on these stories of like what coaches are saying just like taking a, a a small snippet or just three words maybe that that a that a coach said and like tweeting that out in a headline when actually when when you watch the press conference or like you read the entire quote the coach is saying the complete opposite thing of what is being tweeted out and in so many instances, fantasy players would be better served by like not even having read that because now like they believe one, they believe the coach, the coach's intentions were this certain thing. And then they see that it plays out in a different way. And then they're like, this coach is a liar. Well, no, the coach, like if you had the entire context, you would, you would have seen that actually he was telling the truth in this case. Um, so yeah, that's like kind of my, my pet peeve. Uh, I've seen a lot of that. It, it happens uh, a lot when coaches will say like, oh, we're taking it day by day with this player. And then, yeah. you know, an account will tweet out Sean McVay calls Cooper Cup day to day. It was like, no, saying a player is day to day is a completely different thing than saying like we're taking uh, a day by day approach with them. There, there is such a fascinating, and I know you've been doing a bunch lately with Pete Carroll in JSN, and I do think it's a fascinating one just because JSN was such an incredible prospect. You mentioned Pete Carroll being a very entertaining narrator in general, and I, I always get like the vibe that it's not even that I think he's like lying or bullshitting. It's almost just like the way his offense is run it can't give us what we as JSN fantasy managers want. Like, it's like, we, it's like, Oh, it's just so easy. Just give him a 25% target share. But the way Pete Carroll runs his offense and he's always run it that way. It was like, we also kind of knew that this is how it's going to be. Like, what, what is your thoughts on the, the JSN stuff? Yeah. I mean, this, this is like the beautiful thing about, about fantasy and, and just like coach speak and, and all this, like, yeah, they, it works in concert together like a coach can be telling the truth or like believe what he's saying and like the results don't come to pass yeah um but like it's not necessarily his 
fault. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, grading with the reliability ratings and stuff, like I take that, I take all of that into account and, you know, one piece of coach speak will be graded or weighed more heavily than, than another, but with the, with the JSN situation, um, I mean, you know, I've, I've been watching all these Pete Carroll press conferences, um, for weeks and, 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 you know, for the last few weeks, I mean, he's been just constantly harping on, you know, we got to fix our third down offense. And, you know, when, when I, when I tweeted out what he said about JSN, that's why I added all that context about their third down offense and how many plays per game they're running. Because when you're in a, you're an efficient offense and you're sustaining drives, like, that's more plays per game. That's more opportunities. And so that helps everyone out. But if you're going three and out, three and out, three and out, and you know, they, they rank 30th in third down uh, uh, conversion rate, like just above the giants and jets, that's it. Um, like it, it's, it's hard for any of your players to be fantasy relevant in, in that case. But, but I do think that, I mean, he, he loves Jason. He loves his blocking um he he loves his talent and and they got three talented receivers metcalf hasn't been great this year um but uh i, I think the key to like them I, I think he was also taking like a kind of veiled shots at shane waldron their oc and Geno really? smith when he said when not not like shots but like yeah like saying we need to see stuff better like, okay, well, who's he talking about there? Well, yeah, that's Gino. Right. That's the quarterback, you know? Uh, so it's, I, I think it's incumbent on Waldron and, and, and Gino to kind of like fix this situation. Uh, and I, I think JSN could be part of the solution there. Um, but man, like, we'll see. Again, we'll see. like they could, they, he could be telling the truth and maybe JSN you know, isn't super fantasy relevant. And like, what is, you know, him saying that JSN is going to get more chances. All right. Like one more chance a game. Like how do we grade that? Right. Yeah. You know, where um, does, uh, where does, uh, uh, Sean Payton and Marvin Mims fall on this? Because that's another one every single week. Sean Payton got to find a place for more touches for Mims. Got to get him more involved. And then it never seems to happen. Yeah. You know, that, that Coen brothers film, a serious man. Yeah. Sean Payton is uh, is an unserious man when it comes to uh, <laughs> yeah. player usage and workload. I mean, he's been saying for like literally months, we got to get Marvin Mims involved. Like, you know, you're the head coach of this team, right? Like, we're not we're, we're not even asking for, you know, ten targets a game or or whatever. I mean, his his thing about you know when they asked him about it one uh recently he's like you know i'm staring <laughs> i was dying laughing when when he said this this was like a conference call like you you couldn't see him but he said uh you know they asked him about marvin Mims. he said well i'm i'm, I'm looking at his number on my notepad right now and and yeah he's, he had said that same thing like uh about a month earlier he was like oh yeah you know what we'll, we'll go and talk about third down tonight and, and i've you know i've actually got his name down about you know someone that we need to like how this is this is such like an andy kaufman bit that that he's pulling <laughs> that he's pulling on us 
Um, and it's like, it's so bizarre too because like Sean Payton has been a my guy kind of guy, and it's like he traded up to get Marvin Mims. I thought he was his guy. He brings in his Saints guys, his Adam Troutmans over there. He he tells Samaj P. Ryan in free agency, "Hey, come over here. I'm a, you can be my Mark Ingram to the Javante Williams." And it's like Samaj P. Ryan has a very bit role in the offense. Marvin Mims is not being used. I'm like. At the one thing I thought you were, Sean Payton was a my guy kind of guy, and you're not even doing that this year. Yeah, it's 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 mystifying. Um, but again, like I, th- I think he's like 45 percent, 50 percent on on uh, reliability Jesus. rating on, on usage workload, coach speak. Uh, yeah, I just like again, he's one of those annoying guys. Like you have no idea which way it's gonna go, uh, and 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 that's one of the things of of coach speak is like. It's great when I'm able to say, uh, like, all right, Dan Campbell is saying that Jameer Gibbs is going to get more touches, 80% reliability rating. Like, you know, go back and, and look at what he said about these other players getting touches. Like, and then you, then a guy like Sean Payton says, you know, we we got to get Marvin Mims more touches. Like, I can't. Like, what can I recommend in that situation? All I can say is like, you can't believe this guy. Like, maybe it happens. Yeah. Like, that, that'd be great, but. Um, you know, best best I can do is say cross your fingers. I fell for it one last time coming out of the bye. I think it was that game against Buffalo on Monday night. And he had said it. And you traditionally see the rookie bump coming out of the bye. He's been saying it. I was like, all right, I'm going to buy into Then nothing. A couple into rounds for like minus seven yards. I was like, all right, fool me 19 times. I'm done, Sean. I'm done buying into this. Marvin Mims is, is dead to me for this year. Yeah, he's, um, he's dead to Sean Payton too. Jesus. Uh, not to do too hard of a of a left turn here, but I do have to ask about your background. Um, even before uh, doing stand up comedy and script writing, you told me that you grew up in a cult. Is that accurate? I did. Yeah. Um, in in North Carolina, we uh, I was born in France. We were living in France. Then we we moved to North Carolina when I was four. My mom had been involved in this like Pentecostal church in in France. And then we uh, we moved to North Carolina. We were on our way to Charlotte, and then we stopped in Durham. And my mom uh, told my dad, like, I, I want to stop at, at this Pentecostal church here. And, and, and we did, and we ended up staying in Durham. And it wasn't like a, uh, like a compound, like commune kind of cult, but uh, it was just, like, extremely oppressive. It wasn't like a God is love kind of church. It was, uh, you know... Um, God might come back tomorrow and and you're going to burn in hell if, if you're not right with him. Uh, so just like very oppressive, very controlling. We weren't allowed to, you know, fraternize with anyone that wasn't a part of the church. We couldn't listen to any music that wasn't like the church's music. We couldn't watch TV or movies or um, like we couldn't play, you know, organized sports, any decision that you, that, that you were making, you had to bring to the pastor and like, he would make the decision for you. Um, so yeah, it was like, it was kind of rough. Uh, my, my dad was, was not a part of it. So it was my mom, my, my dad would work like 80 hours a week, breadwinner. And then my mom just like kind of controlled everything else. And, um, so myself and, and my two older brothers were, were in it. And, you know, like, there's never any question of like, you know do we have to go to church is like we yeah we're going to church and like never ask like do we have to go to church like if you're sick you're going to church and they'll pray for you um 
but uh yeah it was uh i i got out of it when i was like i started getting out of it when i was 20 made kind of a clean break at at 21 uh you know resented my mom for a while for like not kind of allowing me to have a, a normal childhood yeah. where i could you know listen to Lou Bag or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> but um but but looking back on it now, like it's it and I'll you know I'll tell you some cult stories in a second, but like looking back at on it now, like this I I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I wouldn't raise my child in that way. Um but like I don't blame her for that anymore. Like she was doing what she thought was right. Like she was doing what she thought was best um so like yeah like no i i i don't what, her at, at what age did like the disillusionment start to hit of like wait maybe this isn't normal maybe this isn't just for me and this is being forced onto me because i assume like the psychological i don't know turmoil of having to like unpeel all of those layers is really really hard well that's the thing pete is that you're never allowed to question that like once that if that question ever pops into your mind, like that's the devil talking to you and like you have to immediately repent and like pray for an hour. So like, you're not, you're not like, you know, they're, it's, they control you. Like they control your, your way of thinking by saying like, if, if you think of not going to church, if you think of leaving church, like that's, that's the devil and, and you're going to hell. Um, and it was like harder uh, because my, like I mentioned, my, my dad wasn't a part of it. So he had a TV in the house and I wasn't allowed to watch TV, but like I'm a kid and he's watching cartoons on, on Saturday morning. I just like want to watch cartoons. So I would I still remember being like five years old and uh, sitting at the kitchen table and there was like a window there that the TV from the living room would reflect on the window. So I would just sit at the kitchen table, like watch, like look at the window. Like I would watch, you know, kind of loophole, like watch the cartoons on yeah. the reflection on the window. And, uh, you know, my like my brothers or mom would come by and say, Craig, stop watching TV. And I'd say, I'm not watching TV, I'm watching the window. That's um, wild. Yeah. And uh, so, so, comic books were kind of a gray area they never preached about comic books so <laughs> i'm i guess i've always been uh, a loophole guy <laughs> uh so i just like started reading comic books i was a really really big batman fan and uh i still remember when i was uh I was seven and the original batman the Tim Burton Batman movie came out in, in 1989 and we would be, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be in the car with my mom and we'd be going to church or whatever. And I would see on the marquee, uh, movie theater marquee, like, you know, Batman. I'm like, I, I, want, I want to watch this thing so bad, but I knew that, that I wasn't allowed. <laughs> so what I did, uh, my, I had my parents, buy me packs of uh the batman that had batman the movie trading cards 
Mm. And I had them buy me the packs of those trading cards and I assembled the entire set. And on the on the front of the trading card was like a still from a movie scene in the movie. And then on the back was like a description of the scene. So I just laid all the cards out on the floor and you know watch watch the movie that way we got uh guys uh in the chat nick saying story hits close to home also grew up in nc in a very baptist religious household where i couldn't do anything didn't really break out of it until my early 20s and then my guy historical anomalies question for you in an odd way did the cult prepare you for coach b on figuring out bs from non-bs wow great great question um yeah, just um, I mean, what what? So when when I went to, I I'll just tell you the way that I like broke out of this was, um, my dad, like the one thing that he insisted on was that I go to college and like the church didn't want you going to college because obviously you're gonna you're going to be um, subjected to, you know, ungodly lifestyles and material and ways of thinking. But like, this was non negotiable for him. He was like, Greg's going to college, like, it's going to happen. And yeah, once, once uh, I went to, to NC State, and, uh, you know, started experiencing a little bit of life, saw my yeah, I was tempted by movies showing in the in the campus cinema. Uh, first movie I saw in a, in a theater was Spider Man in in two thousand one uh, at the campus cinema at NC State, and uh, I was like, man, this is like this is like pretty cool. Um, started playing, you know, poker. Met some friends. I was like, all right, you know, uh, I I think this is more more my style. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not as much in, in, into the other stuff, but it it took me like a full year to really kind of break out of it. I had my first beer at 21 when I was at the Del Close Marathon. And, and Oh, yeah. Uh, I performed at the York. Del Close Marathon. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude, it's so fun, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I was at a bar after uh, after um, our show, and uh, like Tina Fey and Horatio Sands were, were sitting at a table away, and I was in the inside of this booth, and uh, my friend Corey, who's on our improv team, brought a, a Corona back to the table and uh, put it in front of me. I, I never had any alcohol. He said, uh, "You're not, you're not leaving this bar until you drink this beer." <sighs> and you know, I'm uh, I succumb easily to peer pressure. I drank the beer. I felt like so guilty. Um, and that weighed on me for, for a while. Um, wow. but, but it was also like crossing a threshold of like, well, I drink a beer. So I guess I'm completely out of this church now. Like I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm a full reprobate backslider. Uh, Good. but yeah, the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like the, they're, they're very long lasting, um, you know, effects of of repression um like it just i i i didn't know how to like do, do anything really I was, I was just like so sheltered like i mean 
I had no idea about like sex, like that talk never, yeah. never came up. Um, like I didn't lose my virginity until I was 29. Like Adam Levitan wants to talk about team, no sex. Like I was, team no sex, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it just like took so long to kind of break out, break out of the shell and like shake off all the, all the guilt. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's like the period where, where I was kind of resentful toward my mom. Um, but like, again, I, I, I knew like she wasn't like she wasn't trying to destroy my life. Like she she thought this was the right thing. Yeah, so, like, that's fine. Man, that's incredibly tough. I mean, the I, the silver lining it sounds like you're doing awesome, and it also seems like you've lived multiple lifetimes since then. You know, from hearing mm -hmm. you do comedy and and screenwriting, and then venturing into poker and the world of sports, it seems like you've made up for lost ground uh, at least. And it obviously doesn't you know fix that you lost all those years as a as a child but it seems like you've made the most of of your life since then yeah like i if if i had it to do all over again like i'd be fine with it turning turning out the same ways um like i'm very happy with with where i am now i don't know if you know if if i was if i had like a normal life growing up like what i like i probably wouldn't have this same like sense of humor and, and and outlook on on life that I that I have now um yeah I'm I'm good with it man yeah no uh well I've very much enjoyed talking to you tonight and getting to know you more obviously people got to check out the coach speak index I got a link to the Twitter I'll put a link to the site as well is there anything else that people can do to uh to support you no, just like follow. Um, great things will be on the way. Like I said, in the in the next year, um, yeah, maybe maybe some more projects. And um, come find me on on Twitter. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm excited. Some of the stuff you teased there, uh, I. You, it's it's obvious to see like the potential for it and how that could be used uh, for more stuff even beyond fantasy, like you said, betting. So I'm I'm very excited for what you got up your sleeve. Yeah, man, uh, that's two of us. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, this is Greg, a.k.a. the Coach Speak Index. Really appreciate him spending his Saturday night here on DFS After Dark. Like I said, if you're listening to this, this is a weekly show I do for YouTube members, but I wanted to make this one uh, public for everyone because uh, I knew everyone would be interested in this, and uh, Greg has such a cool story and um, truly like the hit fantasy thing to emerge this year and there's all kinds of great work being done great content great research but yours felt very unique and inventive and actionable which it's that's really hard to do it by 2023 to come up with something that original so uh kudos to you and all your hard work thanks man so so thankful uh for all the like amazing comments uh that people have sent and, and like the reception i i wasn't sure the the fantasy industry would uh like fully embrace this i thought like maybe some people might see it as a as a threat of like someone coming in and building this new kind of niche um but like it's it, it's been nothing but like incredible so like thanks to everyone that's that's followed um and and thanks to like everyone in the industry that's that's shouted out the coach speak index and um Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
Yeah, for sure. Follow uh, Greg. And if you go to the uh, Coach Speak Index Twitter, you can follow Greg's link is in that bio as well. So you can just quickly tap both of those and support Greg. Uh, appreciate all you guys hanging out in the chat tonight. As usual, I'll be back here in uh, 12 and a half hours for our cram for the uh, the week uh, 12 uh, GPP slate. That's another show. If you're a YouTube member, you get access to my GPP crams uh, on Sunday mornings. And it also unlocks a private Discord uh, channel within the Deposit Kingdom Discord, the Hand Builders and Opto Bros. If you're into DFS, want to cram for showdown slates, for the main slates, all of that good stuff. Uh, Greg, is there, uh, to leave us with a little uh, carrot for tomorrow, is there a specific piece of coach speak that you're interested to see how it plays out tomorrow relative to what the coach has been saying leading up to this week? Uh, I mean, I, I'm super interested to see if Justin Jefferson plays Monday night. I'm guessing he's mm. not. Um, and like, I don't know. I, I just like feel pretty good about Kyron Williams getting a, a big workload. That uh, it's it, it's not something that I'm waiting for with bated breath. Like I just feel like it's it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. It's been interesting to see kind of like his projected ownership for DFS. I've been doing a ton of underdog drafts this week, and you can kind of tell where he's going. Like people are still a little nervous about the workload. So uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna buy that uncertainty here and have a, a good uh, chunk of uh, of Kyron tomorrow. But uh, Greg, appreciate your time. Appreciate the chat. Follow Greg on Twitter and at the Coach Speak Index. Hope you guys have a lovely evening. I'll see you uh, tomorrow for the GPP.